Book Eight, Chapter Seven of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Seven. How to Treat a Defamer. As the lodgings taken by Miss Margland could not be ready till the afternoon, Camilla remained with her sister, a sojourn which, while it consoled her with the society, and gratified her by the approbation of Eugenia, had yet another allurement. It detained her under the same roof with Edgar, and his manner of listening to her rejection, and his undisguised suffering before they were parted, led her to expect he might yet demand a conference before she quitted the hotel in about an hour as unpleasantly as unceremoniously they were broken in upon by mrs mittin how monstrous lucky my dear cried she to camilla that i should find you and your little sister for i suppose this is she together i went into your dining-room to ask for you and there i met those other two ladies and i made acquaintance with them i assure you already for i told them i was on a visit to the honourable mrs burlington's so i've had the opportunity to recommend some shops to em and i've been to tell some of the good folks to send them some of their nicest goods for em to look at for really since i've been bustling a little about here i've found some of the good people so vastly obliging i can't but take a pleasure in serving em and getting em a few customers especially as i know a little civility of that sort makes one friend surprisingly often and often have i got things under prime cost myself only by helping a person on in his trade so one can't say good nature's always thrown away however i come now on purpose to put a note into your hands from mrs burlington for all the servants were out of the way except one and he wanted to be about something else so i offered to bring it and she was very much pleased so i fancy it's about some secret for she never offered to shew it me but as to the poor man saved from the walk i won his heart downright i dare say he'll go off on any odd errand for me now without veils that's the best of good nature it always comes home to one the note from mrs burlington contained a tender supplication for the return of camilla and a pressing and flattering invitation that her sister should join their little party as the motives of honour and discretion which made her at the request and for the sake of her brother sacrifice her eagerness to be presented to miss lindmere operated not to impede her acquaintance with miss eugenia this proposition had exquisite charms for eugenia to become acquainted with a sister of him to whom henceforward she meant to devote her secret thoughts, enchanted her imagination. Camilla, therefore, negotiated the visit with Miss Margland, who, though little pleased by this separate invitation, knew not how to refuse her concurrence. But Indiana, indignant that the sister of Melmont should not first have waited upon her, and solicited her friendship, privately resolved, in pique of this disrespect, to punish the brother with every rigour she could invent. 
Camilla, upon her return, found Mrs. Mitten already deeply engaged in proposing an alteration in the dress of Eugenia, which she was aiding Molly Mill to accomplish, and so much she found to say and to do, to propose and to object to, to contrive and to alter, that from the simplicity of the mistress and the ignorance of the maid, the one was soon led to conclude she should have appeared improperly before Mrs. Burlington, without such useful advice, and the other to believe she must shortly have lost her place, now her young lady was come forth into the world, if she had not thus miraculously met with so good a friend. During these preparations, Camilla was summoned back to the dining-room to receive Mr. Westwin. She did not hear this call with serenity. The danger which, however unwittingly, she had caused his son, and the shocking circumstances which were its foundation, tingled her cheeks and confounded her wish of making acknowledgments, with a horror that such an obligation could be possible. The door of the dining-room was open, and as soon as her steps were heard, Mr. Westwin came smiling forth to receive her. She hung back involuntarily, but pacing up to her and taking her hand. "'Well, my good young lady,' he cried, "'I have brought you my son, but he is no boaster, that I can assure you, for though I told him how you wanted him to come to you, and was so good as to say you were so much obliged to him, I can't make him own he has ever seen you in his life which I tell him is carrying his modesty over far. I don't like affectation. I have no taste for it. Camilla, discovering by this speech, as well as by his pleased and tranquil manner, that he had escaped hearing of the intended duel, and that his son was still ignorant whose cause he had espoused, ardently wished to avert farther shame by concealing herself, and step by step kept retreating back towards the room of Eugenia, though she could not disengage her hand from the old gentleman, who, trying to draw her on, said, "'Come, my dear, don't go away. Though my son won't confess what he has done for you, he can't make me forget that you were such a dear soul as to tell me yourself of his good behaviour, and of your having such a kind opinion of him. And I have been telling him, and I can assure you I keep my word, that if he has done a service to the niece of my dear old friend Sir Hugh Tyrold, it shall value him fifty pound a year more to his income, if I straighten myself never so much. For a lad that knows how to behave in that manner will never spend his money so as to make his old father ashamed of him, and that's a good thing for a man to know. Indeed, sir, this is some mistake, said the young man himself, now advancing into the passage, while Camilla was stammering out an excuse from entering. It's some great mistake. I have not the honour to know. He was going to add Miss Tyrold, but he saw her at the same moment, and instantly recollecting her face, stopped, blushed, and looked amazed. The retreating effort of Camilla, her shame and her pride, all subsided by his view, and gave place to the more generous feelings of gratitude for his intuitive good opinion, and emotion for the risk he had run in her defence and with an expression of captivating sweetness in her eyes and manner. "'That you did not know me,' she cried, "'makes the peculiarity of your goodness, which indeed I am more sensible to than I can express.' "'Why, there, there, now, there,' cried Mr. Westwin, while his son enchanted to find whose character he had sustained, 
bowed almost to the ground with respectful gratitude for such thanks only but listen she says the very same things to your face that she said behind your back though i am afraid it's only to please an old father for if not i can't for my life find out any reason why you should deny it come hal speak out hal equally at a loss how either to avow or evade what had passed in the presence of camilla young westwin began a stammering and awkward apology but camilla feeling doubly his forbearance said silence may in you be delicate but in me it would be graceless then turning from him to old mr westwin you may be proud sir she cried of your son it was the honour of an utter stranger he was protecting as helpless as she was unknown at the time she excited his interest nor had he even in view this poor maid he now receives of her thanks my dearest hal cried mr westwin wringing him by the hand if you have but one small grain of regard for me don't persist in denying this i'd give the last hundred pounds i had in the world to be sure it was true that to hear the name of this lady said the young man should not be necessary to inspire me with respect for her who can wonder that any opportunity could arise in which she would want defence is all that can give any surprise you own it then my dear hal you own you've done her a kindness why then my dear hal you've done one to me and i can't help giving you a hug for it let who will think me an old fool he then fervently embraced his son who confused though gratified strove vainly to make disclaiming speeches no no my dear hal he cried you shan't let yourself down with me again i promise you though you two or three times tried to make me think nothing of you but this young lady here dear soul speaks another language she says i may be proud of my son and i dare say she knows why for she is a charming girl as ever i saw so i will be proud of my son poor dear hal thou hast got a good friend i can tell thee in that young lady and she is niece to the best man i ever knew and i value her good opinion more than anybody's you are much too good cried camilla in an accent of tender pleasure the result of grateful joy that she had not been the means of destroying the paternal happiness of so fond a father joined to the dreadful certainty how narrowly she had escaped that misery you are much too good and i blush even to thank you when i think what she meant to add was in a moment forgotten and that she blushed ceased to be metaphorical when now as they all three entered the dining-room together the first object that met her eyes was edgar their eyes met not again delighted and conscious she turned hers hastily away he comes thought she to me he will not submit to the separation he comes to reassure me of his esteem and to receive once more my faithful heart edgar had seen by chance the west winds pass to the room of the cleves party and felt the most ardent desire to know if they would meet with camilla and what would be her reception of her young champion who soared with extreme trouble he had himself that morning sheathed and whose gallantry he attributed to a vehement however sudden passion dr marchmont acknowledged the epoch to be highly interesting for observation and presuming upon their old right of intimacy with all the party they abruptly made a second visit 
Miss Margland and Indiana, who were examining some goods sent by Mrs. Mitten, had received them all four without much mark of civility, and Mr. Westwin immediately desired Camilla to be sent for, and kept upon the watch till her step made him hasten out to meet her. Edgar could not hear unmoved the dialogue which ensued. He imagined an amiable rival was suddenly springing up in young Westwin, at the very moment of his own dismission, which he now even thought possible this incipient conquest had urged, and when Camilla, walking between the father and the son, with looks of softest sensibility, came into the room, he thought he had never seen her so lovely, and that her most bewitching smiles were purposely lavished for their captivation. With this idea he found it impossible to speak to her. Their situation, indeed, was too critical for any common address, and when he saw that she turned from him, he attempted to converse with the other ladies upon their purchases, and Camilla, left to her two new beaux, had the unavoidable appearance of being engrossed by them, though the sight of Edgar instantly robbed them of all her real attention. Soon after the door was again opened, and Mr. Gert, the young perfumer, came, smirking and scraping into the room with a box of various toys, essences and cosmetics recommended by mrs mitten ignorant of the mischief he had done her and not even recollecting to have seen him camilla made on to look at his goods but edgar to whom his audacious assertions were immediately brought back by his sight would have made him feel the effects of his resentment had not his passion for camilla been of so solid as well as warm a texture as to induce him to prefer guarding her delicacy to any possible display he could make of his feelings to others, or even to herself. Mr. Gert, in the midst of his exhibition of memorandum-books, smelling-bottles, toothpick-cases, and pocket-mirrors, with washes to immortalize the skin, powders becoming to all countenances, and pomatums to give natural tresses to old age, suddenly recollected Camilla. The gross mistake he had made, he had already discovered, by having dodged her to the house of Mrs. Burlington, but all alarm at it had ceased, by finding, through a visit made to his shop by Mrs. Mitten, that she was uninformed he had propagated it. Not gifted with the discernment to see in the air and manner of Camilla, her entire, though unassuming, superiority to her accidental associate, he concluded them both to be relations of some of the upper domestics and with a look and tone descending from the most profound adulation with which he was presenting his various articles to miss margland and indiana into a familiarity the most facetious oh dear ma'am he cried i did not see you at first i hope the other lady swell that's been so kind as to recommend me indeed i saw her just now young westwin to whom, as to Edgar, the bold defamation of Gert occurred with his presence, but whom none of the nameless delicacies of the peculiar situation and peculiar character of Edgar restrained into silence, felt such a disgust at the presumption of effrontery that gave him courage for this facetious address to a young lady whose innocence of his ill-usage made him think its injury double, that, unable to repress his indignation, he abruptly whispered in his ear, "'Walk out of the room, sir!' 
the amazed perfumer at this haughty and unexpected order stared and cried aloud no offence i hope sir mr westwin asked what was the matter while camilla crimson by the familiar assurance with which she had been addressed retired to a window nothing of any moment sir answered henry and again in a low but still more positive voice he repeated his command to gert sir i am not used to be used in this manner answered he hardily and hoping by raising his tone for the favourable intervention of the company indiana now was preparing to scream and miss margland was looking round to see whom she should reprehend but young westwin coolly opening the door with a strong arm and an able jerk twisted the perfumer into the passage saying you may send somebody for your goods gert who equally strong but not equally adroit as henry strove in vain to resist vowed vengeance for this assault henry without seeming to hear him occupied himself with looking at what he had left camilla felt her eyes suffused with tears and edgar for the first time in his life found himself visited by the baleful passion of envy miss margland could not comprehend what this meant indiana comprehended but too much in finding there was some disturbance of which she was not the object but mr westwin losing his look of delight said with something of severity ha what did you turn that man out of the room for he is perfectly aware of my reason sir said henry and then added it was a long story which he begged to relate another time the blank face of mr westwin showed displeasure and mortification he lifted the head of his cane to his mouth and after biting it for some time with a frowning countenance muttered i don't like to see a man turned out of a room if he's done any harm tell him so and if it's worse than harm sues him in a horse-pond i've no objection but i don't like to see a man turned out of a room it's very unmannerly and i did not think hal would do such a thing then suddenly and with a succinct bow bidding them all good-bye he took a hasty leave still however muttering all the way along the passage and down the stairs loud enough to be heard kicking and jerking a man about does not prove him to be in the wrong i thought hal had been more of a gentleman if i don't find the man turns out to be a rascal hal shall beg his pardon for i don't like to see man turned out of a room henry whose spirit was as irritable as it was generous felt acutely this public censure which though satisfied he did not deserve every species of propriety prohibited his explaining away with a forced smile therefore and a silent bow he followed his father miss margland and indiana now burst forth with a torrent of wonders conjectures and questions but the full heart of camilla denied her speech and the carriage of mrs burlington being already at the door she called upon eugenia and followed perforce by mrs mitten left the hotel edgar and dr marchmont gave neither surprise nor concern by retiring instantly to their own apartment dr marchmont said the former in a tone of assumed moderation i have lost camilla i see it plainly this young man steps forward so gallantly so ingeniously nay so amiably that the contrast chill severe and repulsive must render me in this detestable state insupportable to all our feelings 
dr marchmont i have not a doubt of the event the juncture is indeed perilous and the trial of extremist hazard but it is such as draws all uncertainty to a crisis and therefore is not much to be lamented you may safely i think rest upon it your destiny to a general female heart a duel is the most dangerous of all assaults and the most fascinating of all charms and a duelist though precisely what a woman most should dread as most exposing her to public notice is the person of all others she can commonly least resist by this test then prove your camilla her champion seems evidently her admirer and his father her adorer her late engagement with you may possibly not reach them or reaching but with its dissolution serve only to render them more eager do you suppose him cried edgar after a pause of strong disturbance do you suppose him rich certainly not that the addition of fifty pounds a year to his income should be any object proves his fortune to be very moderate clearer then at least said he with a solemnity almost reproachful clear her at least of every mercenary charge if i lose her he gasped for breath she will not you find be bought from me and pique anger injustice nay inconstancy all are less debasing than the sordid corruption of which you suspected her this does not necessarily prove her disinterested she is too young yet to know herself the value she may hereafter set upon wealth and independent of that inexperience there is commonly so little stability so little internal hold in the female character that any sudden glare of adventitious slur will draw them for the moment from any and every regular plan of substantial benefit it remains therefore now to be tried if beech park and its master united can vie with the bright and intoxicating incense of a life voluntarily risked in support not of her fair fame that was unknown to its defender but simply of the fair countenance which seemed its pledge edgar heartless and sad attempted no further argument he thought the doctor prejudiced against the merits of camilla yet it appeared even to himself that her whole conduct from the short period of his open avowal had seemed a wilful series of opposition to his requests and opinions and while terror for surrounding dangers gave way to his disapprobation of her visiting southampton with a lady she knew him to think more attractive than safe or respectable her sufferance of the vulgar and forward mrs mitten with whom again he saw her quit the hotel was yet more offensive since he could conceive for it no other inducement than a careless if not determined humour to indulge every impulse in equal contempt of his counsel and her own reflection all blame however of camilla was short of his self-dissatisfaction in the distance imposed upon him by uncertainty and the coldness dictated by discretion at a period so sensitive when her spirit was alarmed and her delicacy was wounded that a stranger should start forward to vindicate her innocence and chastise its detractors was singular was unfortunate was nearly intolerable and he thought he could with thankfulness have renounced half his fortune to have been himself the sole protector of camilla End of chapter seven 
read by lars rolander